Lots of things are better together. Hockey, food, golf. How about a cold one on the patio during a nice spring day? But if you really want to take things to the next level, drink some Labatt Blue Lights with your friends and live life to the power of we. Always enjoy responsibly. Beer, Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York. Give it up for Mahomie. Once again, snatching victory away from the Jaws defeat. The Kansas City Chiefs do it again. A double-digit deficit in a postseason game. No problem at all. As the Chiefs scored 21 straight points in the final 6 minutes and 13 seconds. They beat the 49ers 31-20. to Welcome once again to the GM Shuffle. Mike, we got a lot to unpack here. But first and foremost, Mahomes. How about the fact he literally, you know, they had this call overturned. Smartly, Kyle Shanahan challenged the call. It looked to be a first down. Instead, they're backed up on third and 15, and my guy throws a 43-yard pass, which completely shifted the momentum. The Chiefs end up scoring a touchdown. The Niners go three and out. Chiefs get the ball back, score again. But I want to talk to you specifically about that third and 15 and the stones to throw that ball downfield to make that completion. Well, you know, look, that was one of those we talked about on the shuffle, you know, when Tyree kills in that tight split. You know, something's happening, right? So, you know, they play cover three. They hold the the deep third player with a route, and then he runs a pivot route, which is he starts going towards the free safety, and he pivots back away. Everybody thinks he's running an over route, and he runs a pivot route, which requires a lot of time to run, even as fast as Tyreek Hill is. And Mahomes just kept backing up because he knew, he knew Fisher couldn't block Bosa. He kept backing up. And uh, he just launched it. And, and the reason it was a little underthrown is because he kept backing up. And that ultimately was the play of the game. Everybody can give me the bullshit about Kyle Shanahan at the end of the first half. You know, there are two plays that signify the game for the 49ers. The third and 15 that they don't get off the field on. It's supposed to be, you know, their defense has got to win that. That's what the defense is built for. Third and 10 in the red zone. They're built for that. They play man to give up a pass interference call. Those two plays, when you're Robert Salah and you're sitting there running the steps at the next game, they're going to haunt you for the rest of your life. They're going to haunt you for the rest of your life because at some point you're thinking to yourself, the ball's going to Hill here, right? Like, the ball's going to Hill. I got to find a way to make sure Hill doesn't beat me. And you give up that play at that time of the game to Tyreek Hill, oh, you, you wake up in the cold sweat for the rest of your life. No question about it. That play was huge. But then, as you mentioned, you still have to capitalize. And that P.I. was huge. Defensive pass interference. Mike Pereira on the call says it's the right call because the defender was not even looking at the ball. He's looking at the receiver. uh, And there was some contact before the play. Right call for you, pass interference? Look, they only made calls they had to make, right? Even ones they did. Like the Sanders pass interference that Kyle didn't challenge. The next play, they hit the in cut anyway. But, I mean, they were not calling. I mean, for Mahomes to throw the ball 42 times in this game, and for that offensive line, and I don't give a shit what anybody tells me, that offensive line can't block them. And for him to throw it 42 times, and for that line to not get called one time for holding, as we said on the shuffle last week, here's the, if Kyle Shanahan needed to go to Vinovich and say before the game, Bill, if you're not going to call holding call the whole game, just give them the trophy right now. And guess what? That's what happened. I mean, that call was the right call, but Bosa gets held on the on the. Go back and watch the game closely. The first run that Mahomes makes, D. Ford gets held, and he gets out of the pocket. I'm screaming at the sports bar. That that's holding. No call. Then Bosa gets grabbed and tackled. No call. I mean, they weren't going to call anything. They called something that they had a call that was obvious. And I think if that guy would have just turned his head a little bit back, they would have called it third and ten. Where. Salai gets going to wake up in the middle of the night. He plays man-to-man on that. And the reason he played man is because he played zone on the last third and long. So he went back to man. 
and they get the matchup they wanted. I mean, really, seriously, that's what you want. You know the ball's, you know, who's the ball going to? Kelsey or Hill? Kelsey or Hill? You got beat. I mean, when they had to play man-to-man in the game, whether it was with Sammy Watkins against Sherman or on that play there, they, they couldn't hold up. I mean, and, you know, Kyle's going to have to live with it for the rest of his life. I mean, this is a game that he played perfectly until 50 minutes into the game. And once 50 minutes into the game came, everything went to loose. I loved your tweet. Amazing we spent a summer with a 1,000 holding calls, and in the biggest game of the year, we don't get one. Yeah. Amazing. It's unbelievable. Like, what are we doing? I mean, we're, oh, we're going to emphasize holding this year. We're going to – no, we're not going to let you – know, we're doing it. And so we had to spend all fucking summer with 75 flags, and people were saying, why nobody wants to go to the preseason games? Well, that's why, right? Okay, so you were doing it all summer, and then in the biggest game of the year, you don't even throw it one time? You don't throw it one time? I mean, look, I'm not a Chief fan. I'm not a 49er fan. I'm a matchup fan. I know those five guys can't block those four guys. They just can't. And it was obvious on the tape. The re- Why did Mahomes struggle? Because he was having an off day? Because he had a hair in his ass? Of course not. He was getting the shit kicked out of him. They were hitting him. They couldn't block him. That's why he was struggling. You know, and the pressure was getting to him. But once, you know, they didn't call hold it, never got him in second and 20, never did that. I mean, if they're not going to call it, why not? I mean, I don't fault the Chiefs. The Chiefs are resilient. They're tougher than you think. They came back from a 10-point deficit in a game. If you would have told me, A.D., before the game that the Chiefs were going to have 29 rushing attempts and the 49ers were going to have 22, I would have said you're crazy. Well, that brings it perfectly to my next point. So, to actually, again, 43-yard pass to Hill. Okay, defensive PI, fine. Then you score the touchdown. At that point, Mike, I'm thinking, well, that's life, right? It's like tennis. Okay, fine. Now, team had his moment. Now, Djokovic is going to come back. This is how we play ball here. So, great. Mahomes finally woke up with six minutes left. It's a three-point game, but I'm the 49ers. I'm going to run the ball. I'm going to smash it down your throats, and we're going to win this game. We'll kill the clock. And first play, five-yard rush. The play call that I hated was second and five. Kyle Shannon opts for a pass. Garoppolo gets the ball batted down. Then third and five, where, of course, you have less of a chance at completing. They don't, and they punt the ball. The first three down of the game came at the most inopportune time, and that's where I said that's a killer. It's okay that Mahomes is going to make that play. He's going to make 43-year passes. That happens. He's an MVP. He's a great player. But then when you get the ball, when it's your serve, you got to do something. That three and out, Mike, was inexcusable. It's inexcusable. And and this is what we talked about all week long. Kyle Shanahan wanted to have the game in his control in the fourth quarter, right? And I wrote about it for The Athletic, and I preached it all week long for those who listened to the shuffle all week last week, is he had to win the game in the fourth quarter. And what happened in the fourth quarter? The Chiefs had the ball nine minutes and 19 seconds. That's why he lost the game. He didn't keep the ball in the fourth quarter. He had that one drive where he didn't even have a third down in the drive. That game there... And I heard him say afterwards, well, the ball got tipped and all that. That's the one that's going to haunt him. Those That three and out that he had at the most inopportune time was the one that killed him. And it, he's going to look at his play sheet over and over and over again because he had to know. He had to know. Once he gave the ball back to them after that long pass and a touchdown, right, once he knew that, right, that was basically an even game. And then here's the other factor is we talk about how great they are on defense, right? We talk about conditioning and how they had to be in shape and win the fourth quarter. Then the next drive, the Chiefs come out, and the Chiefs fight them, go right down the field and score, and they don't even play good in the red zone. I mean, they played horrendous in the red zone. Every time the Chiefs got down there, they, they scored a touchdown. They couldn't stop them. 
Yes. And you're right, Mike. Then you felt that tsunami of momentum. It's like, all right, three and out. The Chiefs finally woke up and scored. Now here comes the homes and the killer play. God, I just pictured Darrell Rivas licking his chops. Richard Sherman gets exploited one-on-one with Sammy Watkins. That's what you don't want is Sherman playing man-to-man and... Credit to Mahomes or Andy Reid, whoever it was, their eyes must have lit up like Christmas trees. Wait, we get the matchup we want. Go to Watkins. Huge pass down the sidelines, and at that point, that set up the eventual touchdown. Yeah, I mean, look, I think if you're Kyle Shanahan, and we can, you know, the end of the first half, I, I think this. If anybody was paying attention and they questioned the end of the first half, you could say, well, you had no confidence in Garoppolo. I mean, I thought Garoppolo played really good. I thought Garoppolo played as well as you can. Somebody said, well, he's just a, another like Kirk Cousins. He's way tougher than Kirk Cousins. He took serious heat in that game. And I like Garoppolo, but to say Garoppolo's the reason the 49ers lost, that's just a lazy narrative. That's a lazy narrative. That's not why they lost. You know, at the end of the half, the way they were working that clock in the first half, and I didn't have sound in the sports bar. I was at the Borgata, so I didn't know if anybody was talking about it, but I kept saying it to Josh Applebaum. Watch the play clock. They didn't. The 49ers didn't snap the ball in the first half until under five seconds. And even then, they only had the ball for 13 minutes in the first half. Kansas City was winning the time of possession because Kansas City was doing exactly what the Niners wanted them to do. They wanted them to drive the ball down the field, have a bunch of plays, not give up the big play. And so they were snapping the ball. They didn't want to make a mistake at the end of the half. They knew they were getting the ball to start the second half. Do you wish they would have been aggressive? Probably. Do you think it's because they didn't trust Garoppolo? I think they didn't want to get the ball back. I think they didn't want to have an incomplete pass and then Mahomes have 25 seconds and get a cheap field goal. I think that was his thinking. And I really, as an executive, I didn't really have a problem with that. Where I had a problem with is in the, in the fourth quarter when we said all week long that the defense better be fucking fresh for the fourth. They weren't. They were dead. They were dead. And instead, that's where the game was lost, and the Chiefs come roaring back. Obviously, Mahomes stepped up. Listen, he was under duress. He did not play well much of the game. I know you just said he didn't have audio. Literally before that third and 15 completion, you heard Troy Aikman say, Mahomes has not had a good night. He has been disappointing so far tonight, and then boom, his ears were burning. He flips the switch. As far as Andy Reid is concerned, at 61 years of age, he wins a Super Bowl ring. He won back with the 96 Packers. People forget he was in charge of the tight ends. But this is his first one as a head coach. He was hired by Philadelphia in 1999, 14 seasons as the Eagles head coach. Of course, they lost the Patriots after the 04 season, and now seven seasons of the Chiefs had yet to have a losing season, and again, in the biggest game of the year. Mike, what stood to me was this. Kansas City never got flustered, and what's that reflection of their head coach, right? There was no panic. As you said, they ran the ball a lot more than I would have thought. I'm surprised now looking at Andy Reid's game plan. Even with like nine minutes left, he was running the ball, which was surprising to me, atypical in some ways. They never got flustered, and they executed brilliantly down the stretch. Yeah, and I thought he did exactly what I said I wrote about on Friday for The Athletic, that whoever was going to be the head coach in this game and not the offensive coordinator was going to win the game. And I think Andy was the head coach. I think he became the head coach that day. He ran the ball 29 times. You know, Mahomes had to take off and run a couple times. He, what do he have? Like, you know, I know he had 29 yards rushing, but the reality of it is, is they had to run the football. I mean, they had to keep him off bounds. He converts two easy fourth down plays early in the game. The fourth and inches at the inside the five, he gets that. And then right there at, at uh, I think somewhere like a, on his like his own 45, he goes for another fourth down, fourth and one, and he runs it right at him. I mean, at the end of the day, at the end of the day, as great as we all talked about how well the 49ers' defense was, and there were moments that they were brilliant, at the end of the day, their defense let them down. You could say whatever you want about their offense. You could say there's three timeouts. Andy Reid gets the ball back with three timeouts, and he doesn't do Andy Reid-like things, which is usually throw it there. He runs it, and they run for a fucking touchdown. 
Think about that. Think about that. He does exactly what he never had done in his whole career. He runs for a touchdown, and they win the game. Meanwhile, everybody's licking their wounds in San Francisco. You didn't do good in the first end of the first half. Like everybody has a narrative that's wrong. Like their defense got tired. And here's what I think: If you're Kyle Shanahan, I think at some point you're going to have to say to yourself, "Look, we need a little bit more diversity within our defensive scheme." Because we're throwing fastballs, and at some point, I don't give a shit how great of a pitcher you are, they catch up to your fastball. Like, they catch up to your fastball. So I'm thinking watching the game, what do you think would have happened on third and 15 if Belichick would have been the coach? It probably would have been some form of double on Hill. Just a hunch, right? Don't you think? <laughs> yeah. Let's see what their big what Zach Belichick does. What's their biggest weapon? Neutralize them. Let somebody else beat you. Right. And where he lines up is going to determine how the double is going to come on fold, right? Whether it's one cut, whether it's one funnel. But we're going to make him make a tight throw into a tight window. But I don't think if you're San Francisco and you're John Lynch, the GM, what the hell is he doing on the sideline anyway? Like, what the fuck is he doing down there? Seriously. Like, why are you down there? Huh? A lot of cutaways to John Lynch in the sidelines. You're right. I didn't understand that. Like, what are you doing down there? Like, you're just the general manager. Like, Brett Veach, the guy who kept up Andy Reid's ass for Patrick Mahomes, he wasn't down there. I mean, there's a guy that probably, there's a guy that should get a $10 million bonus. He should get a $20 million bonus for standing on the table for Patrick Mahomes. I mean, and you're on the sidelines? And then you're calling timeout up in the box like you're coaching the game. Like, people are watching you. Like, but anyway, the long story short, like, you got to come out and say, we can't run one thing. We're going to have to change some of the shit we do because, A, if we're going to play them again and where our defense is where it is, we're going to have to play some man-to-man and we're going to have to mix up some zone coverage and we're going to have to play chess because if you're playing chess with a great chess master like Reed, you're going to have to do things that he doesn't expect. If he expects you to be in it, and I mean, I think they wrote about it. Peter King wrote about it. They talked about the play. I mean, it was a, a high school beating play. It was they knew the coverage and they had this unique player who could get down the field faster than any human being in pads. And they made a, and Mahomes backs up. It's no, not everybody can run this play because not everybody can do what Mahomes can do. But the reality of it is, is, is if you're Kyle Shanahan and you're truly honest with yourself today and you write down that why we win, why we lose, you'd say, we just didn't have enough diversity in our defensive scheme. That goes back to what we were saying about, um, Hopefully, everyone listened to the GM Shuffle last week, talking about the Rooney Rule, minority hires, et cetera. Robert Saleh's been mentioned. And your point about Saleh, Mike, was interesting. I was thinking about that last night. You said, listen, I'm sure he's a good motivator. And if he's a head coach, he can get guys fired up. But in terms of defense, he's very fortunate. He has the horses. They have a great personnel there. So I don't want to say he, you know, his chances of being hired took a hit. But to your point, if you win a Super Bowl, everyone says, oh, man, that defense is awesome. That guy's going to be a head coach one day. But when they don't uh, come through, people say, well, hang on, how good is the coach and how much of it is the personnel? Right, and, and I think he's got to diversify himself. I mean, the one thing about when I worked at the 49ers and we had Coach Walsh, George Seifert became creative because of Bill Walsh's creativity. When you work within an organization – like I'm sure at Apple, when when they were going and Steve Jobs was trying to come, everybody becomes a little bit more creative. And I think Sala has made a reputation on this Pete Carroll scheme. But at some point, you're going to have to play it. Just like these guys that play all this Tampa, Indianapolis, they play all this Tampa stuff. Well, you can play all this Tampa stuff too, but you're going to run into somebody that's better than you are and you're not going to be able to beat them. It's a little bit like, you know, when you play basketball, if you don't prepare your basketball team to beat the best team you have to play, what good is winning the conference? And I think at this game, this for, for the Niners, and they had every ability to win this game. Trust me, they had every ability to win this game. But for their longevity, for their ability to go forward, 
they're going to have to ask themselves, are, do we have enough diversity on defense to win this? Do we have enough exoticness to create some problems for people? Can we get off the field when we have to get off the field if our rush is tired? Or are we just going to rely on talent to win the game? And I think those are questions that Kyle has. They're hard questions. And, and they're going to involve friendships and they're going to involve people. But to me, you know, your play call on third and 10, the diversity within your scheme limits you to what you do. And because of that, eventually, like a baseball pitcher, you know, I, you can, Nolan Ryan didn't get hit in the first inning. But he got hit in the seventh, eighth, and ninth, right? Yeah, eventually. It's just, that's just the way it is. And so if you just have one pitch, they got to develop another pitch is what I'm saying. So that's the future for the 49ers. Obviously, lots of talent. They're a young enough team. God, Garoppolo's only 28 years old. And so San Francisco, you feel like, should be in the hunt again. And what is obviously a very tough NFC, they went through all their big boys on the path to the championship. The Chiefs, in some ways, were fortunate. They did not have to face the Patriots. You know, obviously, they faced the opposition, and they did, um, whether or not it was the Titans or whomever. But the bottom line for this, you look at Kansas City last night, Mike, and say, okay, this could be the beginning of something. Patrick Mahomes is three years in. He's an MVP. He's a Super Bowl champion. As you had predicted, he's going to get a five-year, $200 million contract, you know, uh, 60 to 65% of that guaranteed. And moving forward, this KC team, I don't know about being a powerhouse, but you know they're going to be back, or at the very least, they're going to be in the conversation. They're going to be in the hunt. And one of the thought about Andy Reid, what was the thing we said last week, and I think it's fair, which is, you know, clock management. He gets killed for that. Poetic justice. Andy Reid Clock management was excellent. Late in the game, he knew exactly what he needed to do. He ran the clock down where need be, and they put salt in the wound with that late touchdown. But his late game execution actually was really good. So bravo, Big Red. Yeah, no doubt. And I think the hardest thing, any, I mean, obviously, you know, winning now, all the roads lead through Kansas City. And he's got to keep continuing to do what he does. I think that what he said about the contract, they're not going to do Mahomes' contract probably for another year. They need to see what the CBA is before they redo his deal. There's no sense in doing a deal with Mahomes and then have the CBA come out. You know, you want to make sure you know what you're doing on that contract. And look, I think the one thing with Mahomes, obviously they've got Tyreek Hill under contract, so they don't have to worry about that. Everybody else is a replaceable part. Sammy Watkins is replaceable. There's no other than Kelsey Hill and Mahomes. Those are the three guys that are winning for you. Those offensive linemen, you can overpay them if you want, but they took a guy Wisniewski off the street and they stuck his ass in there. And if you're not going to call holding, then he can get away with it, right? So... He's got to sign Chris Jones. He's got to make sure he's got Kelsey. But with Mahomes, I mean, Mahomes is, is a little thing. I said this to Josh Applebaum before the game. I said, we're either going to find out whether Mahomes is going to be the John Elway of this generation or he's going to be better. And by that I meant when Elway was with Reeves in Denver, they were dominant. But when they got into the Super Bowl, they got their asses kicked. They couldn't really play. And I thought that could happen in this game. I thought San Francisco could be the more dominant team. And I thought for the 50 minutes, I thought the way I broke the game down was right. But then after the 50, after the third and 15, the, the, all shit just went to hell. So, but I, I do think that in the different aspect of it is, is, is there's a uniqueness to what they do in Kansas City in terms of their skill and their defense. Obviously, encouraged them to only run the ball 22 times. Like I don't understand. I think they had the ball 13 plays with the lead in the game, and they threw it nine of those 13 plays. I counted it up last night. I mean, like, that's not who they are. I mean, for whatever reason, the Niners got away from who they are. 
Yeah, definitely lots of questions, and you're right. Sleepless nights now from uh, Shanahan and company because that, that is one that got away. 50-year wait for the Chiefs is over as they win a Super Bowl and perhaps we'll be back for years to come. When we come back, we'll talk more. All the other stuff with the Super Bowl, right? The halftime show, the commercials, prop bets, and who does Jimmy Garoppolo look like? Seriously, this is a great doppelganger. Don't go anywhere. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more, don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. I mean, these second-round playoffs have been unreal, and we have the conference finals now on the horizon. Make sure you get all those futures bets in before the value disappears. And if you're new to DraftKings, you got to check this out. New customers bet 5 bucks to get 150 in bonus bets in. Instantly, download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code SHUFFLE. That's code SHUFFLE for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available. For problem gambling, call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas. 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. All right, the halftime show, Mike. It's always interesting. Guys like us, of course, hardcore football fans, want to watch the game. Then the halftime show, you go, okay, let me quickly grab a sandwich, go to Satriali's, have any sandwich you like, go take a leak, whatever. Any and then- kind you like. Is that one of the great scenes when he tells Finn, get a sandwich, any kind you like? <laughs> you know? I mean, I think I could watch that scene over there where, you know, where Finn comes in and describes Vito's actions. Catching, not pitching. But you're right. The key is Gandolfini's line reading. Because if I just saw that line written, hey, have a sandwich, any kind you like, it's the way, it's exactly right. The way he said it, he goes, give a sandwich. And then pause, any kind you like. Like It's, it's his way of being the most any ingratiating like. way possible. Like, any kind you like, whatever you want. <laughs> whatever you want. It's on the house. And meanwhile, and then Christopher's over there saying, I knew it all along. Oh, you knew it? Yeah. You know, it's like, like that. That scene is, I, I, I might have to go watch that scene again. That scene is just so perfect. Um, I mean, uh, Paulie's rage about knowing that he's gay. It's really, and you're right, it's Gandolfini's ability to pause and have, like all great speakers, they have those pauses, you know, and they can talk about it. But his pauses and his ability to, like, Really, like I've been addicted to, I was telling my buddy Bill, uh, as you know, I've been addicted to the scene where Pacino's meeting Tony Pro yeah. in there. Right. I mean, it's, and the pauses and, you know, yours is there and mine's gone, but we're both in here. <laughs> that's right. I mean, that's just incredible. I got to tell you one thing about that scene. I just read this. In fact, when, when Stephen Graham was doing it, the actor playing Tony Pro, he turned to Scorsese after the first couple of takes. He goes, I don't know. He goes, what? He goes, you know, I'm so intimidated. Like, it's Al Pacino, for God's sakes. Like, I'm intimidated. And Scorsese goes, you know what? Insult him a little bit. And Tony Pro is like, what? He goes, insult him a little bit. So the ad lib line, which actually got Pacino rolling, is when Tony Pro says, lower your voice. And if you watch Pacino's reaction, like, what? Like, who are you to say that to me? The way he says, lower your voice. That's a great ad lib from Tony Pro. Unbelievable. You know what's remarkable about that is when, now that you said that, I didn't know that. When you look at Pacino's eyes, what you see is 
the true disruptive Jimmy Hoffa. What's that? Uh, I don't want to call it schizophrenic, but the the dual personality. There's this one personality. Then you rub something the wrong way, like Tony Tony's character. Tony Soprano had it. You know, where all of a sudden rage can come in a second. Like, and it's just like in what you could be having this great moment, and then all of a sudden rage. I think that guy's great. I mean, he was great as Capone in. Uh, oh yeah, Boardwalk Empire. He was great as Capone in that. I mean, he and and he's English, right? He does a great English. Yes. Yeah, we're both in here. Here. Like, let me get this straight. You're, we're both sitting here. We're both sitting here. I mean, how many time, How much ice cream do you think they went through to film that scene? Oh, I was thinking, you know this. It's eight takes, 10 takes, 12 takes. The amount of ice cream Pacino was just shoveled in his face in that movie is insane. It's, some, it's like when Tony eats. Like, Tony just moves this. Like, if you really watch Tony eat, moves his fork around. Like, it never really eats a lot. He just kind of moves his fork. I love when he makes Sundays. I love it. He's got the Turkey Hill ice cream out on the counter. <laughs> fucking all, all the cherries, the, the crushed nuts. You know, meanwhile, Carmelo's got to clean it up. Like, Carmelo's got to go clean it up. Like, Millie would be looking at me like, are you serious? I mean, you, 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 this is what you're going to do here? Like, <laughs> oh, it's too good. Um, all right, halftime show. Shakira was great. I mean, She-Wolf, whenever, wherever, hips don't lie. J-Lo goes out there. I mean, listen, Latina singers, it's in Miami. Uh, let's get loud. She had a big Puerto Rican flag. I mean, it feels like, I mean, even at one point, J-Lo's daughter came out. She's 11 years old. It's interesting, Mike. I was thinking about halftime shows that people would rank that we've seen in the last 15, 20 years. Obviously, Beyonce was great. I know for you, Bruce has to be up there. Springsteen was awesome. But last night was a, a really good halftime show. I mean, that is that is entertainers, two big-time behemoth entertainers, the heat the crowd was going crazy yeah and you know for somebody i mean i don't really know any of the songs but i thought it was unbelievable i mean i didn't see much of it but i looked up there and the dancing and the choreographics of how they all work together i mean if the 49ers defensive line would have taken a lesson from them they might have been a lot better off you know but i mean j-lo should have come in and taught defensive linemen look 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 if i go high how many times I, I must have motherfucked five times when every time when bosa and four went past the quarterback i was going crazy like it just drove me nuts like don't you understand this like this is football 101 like you can't do that anyway but i mean i'm looking up there it, it was really remarkable i mean and i don't know any of the, i didn't know any of the music obviously i don't listen to j-lo and and shakira i i, I think i need to start but it was unbelievable. It was it was entertaining. I think that's the right word. You didn't have to love their music to feel entertained. Yes, and you're right about the choreography. That's what I kept saying to my wife. I said, look at the effort they're putting. There's hundreds of dancers up there. The pyrotechnics, the directing, you know, these crazy tracking shots. I go, God, like this is it's incredible the show that they put on. I'm with you. I thought it was a wildly entertaining show. It was it was unbelievable. Like when I went to see Hamilton, like I couldn't keep my eyes off of a couple of the dancers, and Millie's like elbowing me, like, what are you looking at? Like, watch the, and like I'm watching the chore. I'm like I'm watching. The these dancers move and like everything is perfectly timed it's like you know it's like unbelievable I, I'm with you, man. I, I was also enthralled by all of that. The choreography, the entertainer. I mean, it was they were phenomenal. And then I was really happy about this because you mentioned Tony Soprano getting the Sundays. And he loves watching those old movies. He would watch, you know, war movies or gangster movies, James Cagney. I love that this tweet got out there. Molly Knight, who uh, writes for The Athletic. She covers the Dodgers. She said her grandmother <laughs> confused Jimmy Garoppolo. God with, love her with, grandmother. With Tyrone Power. I mean, Mike, one of the great Hollywood leading men of the 1950s. When I saw this picture, I said, Oh my God, that's amazing. Tyrone Power. It's unbelievable. I mean, it's truly unbelievable. And it looks just like him, right? I mean, it looks just like him. I say this Tyrone Power must have been in Wisconsin 28 years ago. Huh? Seriously. 
I mean, all due respect to Jimmy's dad and mom, I mean, something happened here. Like, there was where was Tyrone Power? Hey, if I was the the Garoppolo parents, I would be on Legacy.com searching to see if I can get some of the coin from his movies. You know, it's got to be related to us somehow. Well, how about just even, like, I mean, the guy looks like a million bucks. Even the name, Mike. Could you imagine walking up to somebody, what's your name? Tyrone Power. Like, that Tyrone is a power. power name. I mean, it's so good. I mean, it's really amazing. It, it really is. But, you know, I feel Jimmy's going to catch all the heat, right? He's going to – it's the convenient thing to do is to blame the quarterback because he's not a star quarterback. It's the convenient thing to do. He missed the deep throw, the overthrow. It's the convenient thing to do to say – that's a horrible interception, right? He's getting the shit smacked out of him. He has to throw the ball a little bit earlier. You know, and, and for Kyle to throw just to have 22 runs, and look, let me I, I make fun of the Chiefs' offensive line, but let me just say this. The 49ers' offensive line has never been their strength. Staley's a really good player. McGlinchey's an average right tackle. I wouldn't call him a pro bowler. I mean, he has issues, and their inside players are not great whatsoever. And when they get into a drop-back game, that's not what you want. You do not. They don't want a drop-back game. And for them to only run it 22 times, and they ran more gap scheme runs than I thought they would run. I thought they would run more zone schemes and they ran more gap schemes. And they had a few. And all that misdirection they were doing was really working because it was separating it. It was causing some confusion within there and they were able to run the football. And I don't want to say they ran out of plays, but I, I think they ran out of like what are our gotta have it plays. And if you as a young coach listen to this podcast and you're playing in any game, you got to have at least 10 got to have it plays. We, here's where we got to have it. You know, we got to have this. And you get them and you practice them all. We got to have it. We got to have it. And when they had to have it on third and five or second and five, I mean, they're three for eight on third down in the game. This is the second best third down team in football. And they ended up three for eight. One drive they scored a touchdown on, they never gotten a third down. And that's why, because their lack of execution on third down, that's why the Chiefs had the ball 33 minutes. Look, the reality of this game is, I don't give a shit how good they were on defense, they gave the Chiefs too many at-bats, 33 minutes. This time of possession had to be 37 minutes in favor of San Francisco. Yeah, ultimately, the Chiefs take advantage of their opportunities. Got to have it. That's really good. Good expression. Speaking of got to have it, Tom Brady says, listen, I got to have the open market, okay? Maybe I'm going to leave the New England Patriots. He's open to other possibilities. He's being pursued reportedly by the Las Vegas Raiders. Could he turn that team into contenders? Mike and I will break that down for you next on the GM Shuffle. All right, Mike, now it gets to be a lot of fun because the speculation week has now officially started to turn towards the NFL offseason. Apparently, the Raiders poised to pursue Tom Brady if he does not re-sign with the Patriots. Whether or not the Raiders can lure Brady to Las Vegas remains to be seen. But New England is expected to want to have a decision made well before the free agent signing period begins March 18th. The quote from Brady, open-minded about the free agent process. Do you think John Gruden can seduce Tom Brady and convince him to leave New England? Man, I would pay. I would pay a lot of money. I mean, a lot of money to watch this. I would pay a lot of money. I would buy a front row seat to see Brady and Gruden interact on a daily basis. I would pay for that. I think the real story here is I don't know the answer to whether Brady would go to Vegas and work for Gruden. I can't see Brady calling Spider 2 Y Banana. I can't see Gruden turning over the offense to anybody because Gruden wants to run the offense through himself. Right. And Brady's wants to run the offense through, you know, getting four wide, getting three wides, you know, give me the call. I, I have a hard time seeing Brady learning, you know, learning a whole different terminology, the West Coast. To me, I don't see it. 
I think these two would clash personality-wise. I think Brady would watch John just be an offensive coordinator and wonder, like, who's coaching the defense? Like, who's – you know, like, he's been in an environment. You know, did you see – speaking of environment, did you see the Frank Caliendo – I, I urge everybody to listen to the pod. Go to Caliendo's Twitter. He did an incredible. Yeah, I retweeted your tweet about him. It's the Shawshank. He did Morgan Freeman. It was so good. It was so good. But I, the the lesson here about the Shawshank is when is when Brooks got out. Brooks was institutionalized, and when Brooks went out into the world, he just couldn't function. Right? He was so used to being in the prison library. He was so used to having breakfast, lunch, and dinner that when he got out in the real world, he said, "You know what? It's really not worth it for me. I'd rather be dead than be here." And he kills himself. So that part of your behavior becomes a pattern. And Brady has been, for lack of a better term, institutionalized within the Patriot system from what the head coach does to what the coordinator does to all that. For him to go somewhere and watch Gruden just really essentially be the offensive coordinator, because Gruden's not going to pay attention to the kicking game. He ain't going to play it. You know, that, that's not what he does. He's, a, he's the offensive coordinator with title of the head coach. It would be a hard thing for me to see that coming through. Yeah, so ultimately, listen, it sounds exciting, Mike. Oh, hey, glitz and glamour, and Tom Brady says, screw you to the Patriots, and John Gruden's an effective recruiter. But ultimately, those are two alpha males, and I can't see either guy relinquishing power. You? Yeah, no, I don't either. But here's, I think, the real story. Like, most of the real stories are never what the headlines are. It's always what's the subplot, what is behind the story. And this story getting out, this story getting out, even after Mike Mayock, the general manager, said how happy they are with Carr, it's really clear they're not happy with Carr, okay? Like, do you need – like, I don't care what they say. I've said this on this pod numerous times. I've gotten ripped on Twitter for it. The Carr family's attacked me. I mean, it's like they're not happy with Carr. Like, you can say whatever the hell you want, but this story getting out is more about we're not happy with Carr, and yeah, they have a contract and some of Carr's money is going to be guaranteed, but Carr's contract is easily tradable. It's easily tradable. And they've made no bones about their dabbling of interest into trying to find some other player. And so look, when you go over the cap structures of the team, I mean, of the top teams in the league, because it's going to require a lot of cap room to sign Brady, because you're not going to be able to spread it out over five years and all that. I mean, the Raiders are not in the top 10 of cap room. Now they could make room. I'm sure they could. But my point is, this is more about Carr than it is about Brady. Because somebody else, unless they can't get anybody else, is probably going to be the quarterback of the Las Vegas Raiders. Uh, like you said, Carr, his value certainly has been diminished, at least in the eyes of the organization in these last couple of years, and I would say normally by fans as well. All right, NFL Honors Recap. Your most valuable player, Lamar Jackson, gets all 50 votes. Offensive Player of the Year, Michael Thomas edges out Lamar by a couple. NFL Defensive Player of the Year, Stephon Gilmore over Chandler Jones. The Comeback Player of the Year, Ryan Tannehill just edging out Jimmy G. Defensive Rookie of the Year, Nick Bosa, runaway winner. Offensive Rookie of the Year, Kyler Murray, runaway winner. Coach of the Year, John Harbaugh, over Kyle Shanahan, and the assistant coach there also a runaway winner, Greg Roman. Your reaction to any of those, Mike? You know, we should have never traded Chandler Jones. We, we got a second-round pick and Jonathan Cooper for him. I mean, at the end of the day, you know, we had a lot of decisions to make on the Patriots and who was going to get the money, whether it was going to be Hightower, Jamie Collins, you know, all those guys, and trading Chandler. That's the one. If, if you had Chandler and Gilmore on the team, with the way Chandler's played for Arizona? Because I'm telling you something, I don't know if everybody watches Arizona. Chandler Jones has played great since he's been in Arizona. I think Gilmore was well-deserved. I think Chandler Jones needs the recognition as well. 
you know, I, I think that Lamar run away, I think it was good that he was unanimous because it was clear. I think it's going to be the interesting thing about the Baltimore Ravens is what they do as teams get used to what the, how they're playing them and how they adjust. But aren't we fortunate to live in a league that has Lamar Jackson, Patrick Mahomes, some of these great young, talented quarterbacks that we're going to be able to experience for the next 10 years? It's going to be fun to watch. It's going to be really fun to watch. Yeah, certainly the league is in a great place, as you said. Those faces are you know, the faces of the franchise. And one name I didn't mention in the open, Mike, I want to get it in, assistant coach of the year. One vote went to Steve Spagnolo, the Chiefs defensive coordinator, who again is a Super Bowl champion. Congrats to Spags. Long tenure, of course. People remember him 2007 with the Giants, but good for him getting it done again. Yeah, and I think the probably the biggest hire, and this guy deserves recognition, is Brendan Daly, the defensive line coach of the of the Kansas City Chiefs. So Brendan was the defensive line coach at the Patriots. So he won three Super Bowls with the Patriots, right? He won the won 14, 16, 18, and now he's won another one. He's got four rings in the last five years, this guy. I mean, it's really and he's done a tremendous job. And letting him go. You know, he they wanted to keep him. His wife was from Kansas City. He chose to go back to Kansas City. But he's done remarkable things with this defensive front. And let's not face let's Terrell Suggs gets another ring, which is incredible for him. But what he was able to do for this team, I think, has been really remarkable. Brendan Daly has been a great coach for them. I think a part of Spags' success has been this D-line coach. We sometimes underestimate how valuable the D-line coach is. We talk about the secondary. We talk about when you get a great D-line coach, and trust me, most D-line coaches need a top hat and a chair. I mean, they're like lion tamers. They got, they got to be able to get in there and handle some unique personalities, some guys that have some tendencies to do what Jimmy Hoffa did in the room and what Tony can do is, you know, they can turn on a dime. And you got to be able to get them buy-in, coach them, and do that. And I think Daly's done a great job. Daly, that hire there, I think, was as much a big hire as what Spagnola was able to do. And I think David Merritt, the secondary coach, look, I know this. I talked to a GM yesterday during the game, and he was telling me, he said, look, no one holds more than the Chiefs. We, we played them. And we turned in at least 10 plays of them grabbing us, and they never got called for any of it. And it was true. It was true. For some reason, you know, the Chiefs got away with a lot of things this year. Will it happen again next year? Who knows? The one that I still can't. I know I'm beating a dead horse, but I still can't believe that that game, with as good a talent as the defense of the 49ers have in their defensive line, that there was not one holding call. I just can't believe that. I just have a hard time understanding how that could have happened. Well said. And there is no offseason here on the GM Shuffle. We are going to be all the time coming at you. Instead of going twice a week, we now move to once a week. But don't go anywhere. Please do subscribe, rate, and review. We have tons of free agent news to talk about every week. You know, in the NFL, something's happening. Of course, we're building up the draft, uh, the combine, all that more is coming up. So a great year, Mike, and we'll keep it rolling here on the Shuffle. Thank you, J.D. Appreciate you. Thanks, everyone. 